When you realize what your future can be, you want to do it right. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs, plus personalized support from success coaches, so you can get to the future that's right for you. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning and the University of Louisville's Delphi Center for Teaching and Learning, I am Tom Cavanaugh. And I am Kelvin Thompson. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Whew, Greetings. Right place. Glad Kelvin. I got here. Yeah. Greetings, Tom. How are you? I am well. It's wet outside, but I'm inside and uh, not wet. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. It's lovely here in Orlando, um, but it was wet last week, so your turn. Well, you know, it was beautiful here yesterday. It'll be beautiful here tomorrow. Yeah. The, you know, here's the thing I've learned about Louisville. You can't be bored with the weather because <laughs> we used to say this in, uh, in Orlando all the time that, oh, if you don't like it, 15 minutes, it'll change. Turns out that's actually true in Louisville. <laughs> well, in Orlando, it's like if, if you don't like it, it's probably going to rain in 15 minutes, but it's still going to be hot. That's right. Here, it could be, you know, I think it's going to be uh, this, in the next couple of days, it's, the low is going to be in the 30s again. Yesterday, the high was 85. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Variety is the bored. spice of life. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. So speaking uh, the, of spices of life, yes. you know, one of those things yes. is our favorite TopCast beverage, that of coffee. So Kelvin, that of coffee. what is in your thermos today? In my thermos, and therefore in my cup, Tom, is a single origin Guatemala from another local Louisville uh, coffee roaster uh, called Heine Brothers Coffee, and they're a Large local chain, maybe just under 30 years here in Louisville, with an obvious commitment to, to quality. They do a nice, they have a little series of cafes and so forth. And uh, I've learned this. Most long-time Louisvillians, whom I know, will pronounce the name of the roaster in a way that just seems to me to be the setup for being the butt of a juvenile joke, like Heine brothers. And uh, I think that might actually be the preferred pronunciation for the business owners, the family. I just can't do it. Uh, I, I, I just old, always Kelly. call it Heine brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do it. Heine brothers. Because you, you just hear all the, the jokes and, and everybody here seems to be sort of numb mature. to it. But I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do <laughs> they're, it. They're mature and Perhaps you are five years old. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> but I'd say the coffee is, as always, pretty good um, from uh, from that roaster. But uh, I wonder if you might find a connection, and if not, maybe you can find one in your cup. <laughs> I'm drinking um, uh, San Francisco Bay uh, hazelnut. So no, no real connection for me. Um, and for you, I mean, I guess the. The closest thing I can come up with is the fact that you you leaned into sort of this juvenile thing, mm -hmm. this this kind of immature thing, and um, we uh, are going to kind of harken back to elementary school kind of a, a theme in in our show today. So I don't know, maybe maybe something there. Yeah, I think that's right, and and maybe even a little bit of that that pronunciation. Uh, thing. Uh, we should acknowledge that this is our season 
kickoff episode, season nine, starting now wow. of Top Happy Cast. anniversary, Calvin. Happy anniversary to you. Uh, I believe um, the the eighth anniversary is, uh, I'm pretty sure it's platinum, so I'll be looking for your gift anytime now. Platinum? I already, sent, I already sent mine. Uh, you got yeah. it, right? Oh, I got it, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think it's we, mulch. <laughs> we uh, we do try to on the anniversary of our of our initial uh, pilot episode of Topcast. We do try to mark the passing of time. We don't go into like production hiatus or anything, but we sort of right. mark uh, the passing of another year and get reflective. and And it's um, I don't know. It's 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 a little fun. It's a little fun moment. We've had fun with our season kickoffs before. Yeah, do you want to yeah. retrospect us? Sure. Yeah. So like you said, we do try to at least, you know, mark the milestone as we pass it in May of every year. And so it's, you know, it's kind of been our custom to use some sort of a little gimmick to kind of kick off the new season, um, kind of something to to rally around or thematically uh, kind of come back to throughout the year. Um, you know, one year we kind of talked about the uh, Iron Triangle, if I recall, it was sort of like a, a theme. But so maybe just to recap a couple, um, episode 37, we did the six deadly sins of online teaching. Uh, episode 49 was, you're making me crazy. How to improve online education. Number 65 was preparing for the post-COVID future. Number 89 was Seven slogans to save online learning. I don't know. Hopefully we've saved it. <laughs> and then um, episode 113 was the three students you might meet in your online class. Mm -hmm. So um, you might detect a little um, kind of recurring theme there. We had like a lot of like numbers, the, the, the seven this, the three that, whatever, six deadly sins. So, you know. That was that was something that that we tried, but but maybe it's time to try something else. Yeah, so we thought we might do a little. <laughs> we're, st we're sticking with the gimmicky thing. Um, but we might try a different gimmick. So rather than numbers, we thought maybe the foundational school book of alphabetical terms known as the primer, or for those in the UK, the primer. Uh, we'll put some stuff in the show notes. If it's bothering you right now, just go ahead and find those links in the show note. It'll bother you more. Uh, you know, this is the A is for Apple, B is for Ball kind of resource with real deep historical and cultural roots. Goes way, 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 way back. So we're just going to use that gimmick and change it up a little bit this year. Uh, so we each gave some thought to what we might include in this primer episode. And then we asked... Google's Bard AI for suggestions, and we as used as one does, as yeah. one does these days. Yeah. it's so true. And uh, we're like, huh? We kind of like that one. So we used its response as the framework for this episode. But we organics will bring the commentary and conversational elaboration. You know, the human value add element, as hopefully one does. Yeah, yeah. So it did kind of give us our our framework, though. Um, it didn't. It is not speaking to you now. Let the record show that we are <laughs> human speaking. But as far um, as you it know. was it was helpful in kind of organizing it. We had come up with some on our own, and then we asked the AI, and that came back with some suggestions, and we sort of 
melded them together, but it, it did a good job, I hate to say. All right, so let's, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, refill your coffee cup because we've got A through Z to get, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, no. Because We can't um, do that. We, we can't, can't do that. We can't do that. But we are going to get through the first couple letters of the alphabet. Yes, um, right. maybe, maybe that'll be a theme. We'll come back and be like, geez, Ooh. what are we going to come up with for Z? Ooh. You know, what's, what's X or Q or something? But I bet we could. Google Bard could probably do it. Yes. All right, so the first is, um, as you could probably guess, a is for accessibility, and Google Bard said online education should be accessible to all learners, regardless of their physical or learning disabilities. We'd agree with that. Yes, Google Bard, I agree with you. Thank you for that excellent suggestion. But we yeah. have talked about accessibility before, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, episode, back in uh, episode 21 specifically, right. we had accessibility, it's a journey, not a destination. And yeah, I think we're still on that journey. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think we talked about in that episode, Tom, something that's probably worth repeating all the time. I remember you and I had a conversation with a colleague in Florida some years ago. I remember exactly we were in your little, your little um, uh, pop-up office in the library uh, having this, and, and they were deep into like how to, how to comply with the, the letter of the law and, and stuff. And I just remember us kind of saying, well, I mean, yeah, you could do that, <laughs> but it's kind of more of a, it's the right thing to do ethical issue than more of like, how do you walk the line of what you're required to do? Right, right. It's not about doing the bare minimum for compliance. It's about doing as much as you can afford and do to to serve students, and then the compliance will hopefully take care of itself. You'll hopefully you'll yeah. exceed the minimum <laughs> minimum requirements. But I, you know, I think maybe that's the the kind of hook to hang things on for this. A is for accessibility. It's yeah. that you know it's really it's part of our mission to serve all students in that's the right. best way that we that we possibly can. And I think it's that all students thing, right? And I'm fascinated, I don't know, we talk a lot about universal design for learning, but I'm fascinated lately, there, there are all these intersecting discourse communities that end up in the same place. It's about equitable outcomes, right? Whether we're talking about uh, uh, inclusive pedagogy, inclusive design, inclusive teaching, we've talked about those a little bit on here, or universal design for learning. Um, it's really all about that. And, um, you know, here's a, here's a shout out to a, uh, a colleague in your state uh, of Florida down at uh, FIU, um, a faculty member uh, there, Dr. Dewsbury, uh, recently got to hear here at the University of Louisville. And uh, he has a number of videos of talks online uh, and an article, inclusive teaching, all that's free and public. And we'll put some links in the show notes. Um, that's, it's, you know, it's just this, work, but from a different angle. And of course, there's lots of books uh, of varying sorts, including maybe a shout out to our colleague, Tom Tobin. Uh, he has a book, Reach Everyone, Teach Everyone, Un Universal Design for Learning in Higher Education, and all kinds of other resources. So I'll, I'll say this, uh, Kelvin, I think you have done an excellent job in preparing for this episode. And I'll give a, just a little plug for um, the show notes of this particular episode. There, they'll be chock full of resources and links and stuff. So um, if you're just listening to this and you don't typically go out to the website and look at the show notes, this mm -hmm. might be the one to do it for because there's going to be a whole bunch of goodness out there. Watch this. While we're talking ABC, you go to the show notes and get a PhD. <laughs> or a PDF. 
Or a, <laughs> yeah, or a PDF. Yeah. All right, shall we go on to the next Google Bard Let's. response? Let's. Google Bard says, B is for blended. Blended learning combines online and in-person instruction to create a more effective and engaging learning experience. And who can argue with that, really? Yeah. In fact, you know, I think Google Bard took it even further. I might have ended the definition um, with blended learning combines online and in-person instruction. Yeah. While the goal is to create a more effective and engaging learning experience, <laughs> uh, that it was very nice that Google Bard added that extra little bit. Can I rant for just a second? Mm. So I'm finding this. I don't know if you're finding this. Maybe it's just because I'm in, you know, a new institutional environment and like, you know, I start new conversations with people and I might mention blended learning um, for which, as, as we've talked previously, there's not a formal implementation here at the University of Louisville today. Uh, and what I'm finding is that a lot of folks are conflating actual intentional well-designed blended or if you prefer hybrid learning with that um, that pandemic response from higher ed, the pseudo high flex simultaneous yeah. dual mode in-person and classroom webcasting thing. Um, more and more I'm hearing people, oh no, we don't want any of that blended because that was exhaust. No, 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 you're talking about the pseudo high flexing. I'm talking about something that we have decades of research on uh, regarding its effectiveness. <laughs> I've seen that too. Maybe not so much here because we have a long history of, of blended learning or what we call mixed mode, which is what most people call it here, faculty. But um, in, the, in a lot of the stuff I've been reading, like in the trades and other places, there, there does seem to be that conflation between blended and this, this kind of like emergency remote high flex kind of space that did exhaust everyone because everybody was thrown into the pool so fast and you know now learn to swim. And I get it. it there's probably some some, I don't know, kind of <laughs> legacy, you know, trauma, bad feelings <laughs> about that whole experience. And mm -hmm. people are like, I don't want to do that. But mm -hmm. you're right. That's not what we're talking about mm -hmm. here. And, and that's what, you know, we've talked about blended learning a lot on this show. Um, but we always emphasize the, the fact that it needs to be intentionally designed, yeah. high quality, you know, understand what makes sense online, what makes sense in person, yeah. and, and how to kind of maximize each of those modalities. That's what we're talking about here, mostly asynchronous, although not exclusively. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's right. And, and if you, dear listener, or someone you know is experiencing a little confusion about that, you know, maybe we'll throw this on the table. A couple of things I found helpful. Maybe we think most effectively of, of blended learning as in-person enhancement of online courses. Right. That's a, that's a hook. Uh, I sometimes say the strategic combination of in-person and online in which the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It's not just hitting broadcast on the button in the classroom or something. It's not that. It's very right. thoughtful and, right. and all that. But there's, we'll put, like you said, Tom, we'll put stuff in the show notes. There is all very, so very much literature, including our, um, our colleagues Chuck Jubin and Patsy Moskal and other colleagues, Tony Picciano, Charles Graham. They have a whole series on summarizing research and guiding practitioner research around blended learning. There's a robust literature base here. 
Yeah, I mean, those authors, the editors uh, that you just mentioned, um, they have a three-book kind of sequence just on this. Um, I happen to have just seen Charles Graham in Nashville at the OLC conference, uh, Innovate conference, and and he received an award for his work in the space. So, you know, to to his credit, he's he's one of the guys that you should, if you want to know about blended learning, you should start reading Charles. There's there's another book uh, Charles co-wrote with Jared Stein. Um, Katie Linder has a book. Um, We'll put all those links in there. Gosh, even though it's a little dated now, the free public Creative Commons licensed blend kit course materials have a lot to offer. We'll put a link in there too. Lots of good stuff in there. Yeah, don't, in fact, the blend kit stuff don't do it is poorly. right. There's a lot of resources out there to help you. The blend kit stuff is is part of the blended learning toolkit, which, as you said, was built for a, a, a grant funded initiative a number of years ago. But it's still out there, and you know, if you kind of just don't pay attention to the dates, the information is still relevant and good. That's right. A lot of good, a lot of good stuff there. Yep. But and as we've talked about, eventually I think we're moving toward what Tanya Justin and Tony Picciano referred to, referred to as the blended university or blended institution. You know, I think we're all in agreement that's the future. Yep, yep, and it's only been exacerbated since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we move on? Please. All right. So Google Bard said, "C is for coffee." <laughs> what? No, it, did it didn't. No, it, didn't it did not. That. I was like, how did it know that we were kind of had a coffee thing going here? No. So C <laughs> is for communication. Yes. Thank you, Google Bard. Online education requires strong communication between instructors and learners. Yep. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, Thank it you, does. Google Bard. Yeah. Um, maybe the 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 most practical way to think about that is with um, in the context of regular and substantive interaction, which was also a big subject at um, at OLC. Oh, uh, I bet Innovate. it was. <laughs> yeah, um, our friend um, uh, uh, Josh Strigel, um did mm-hmm. a, a session with Russ Poulin from WCET mm-hmm. on RSI and and um, yeah, uh, just to make sure that you know we're not we're not doing. Um, you know, robo courses or you know, self-paced courseware that doesn't have interaction between the faculty and the students. Uh, correspondence course, all of those kinds of things, kind of have the negative in, in connotations. But um, if you're going to be doing you know, real high-quality online learning that has Title IV <laughs> financial aid eligibility, you need regular and substantive interaction. Yeah, and while that's a, a U.S.-focused, you know, governmental uh, requirement, the principle is very sound. The principle is very sound. In fact, uh, maybe I'll go so far as to say the quote-unquote human element is not only what separates our contributions to this episode from Google Bard's. It's also what brings an online course, or really any course, to life. You know, it's, it's really all about... Uh, the communications. In fact, um, I don't. Know, I, I think you know this, Tom. But one of my early favorite findings uh, from the longitudinal impact evaluation work that our colleagues Chuck Jubin and Patsy Moskal have conducted is that well-prepared faculty teaching online courses at UCF reported higher quantity and quality of interactions with students, and those were the only factors positively and highly correlated with faculty satisfaction about that was an early finding and a consistent finding and and to me I love that cuz just bedrock anchors down what we're talking about 
Yeah, and I'll add a, a corollary. While I agree with Google Bard that I think it's um, it, that's a requirement that that you have communication between students and and faculty mm -hmm. in in the course. A, a nice to have is when you have good communication between students within the yes. course. Yeah. Um, I can understand why that may not necessarily be a requirement, depending upon the course design, the kind of course it is, and things like that. Um, it might it might be more of an individualized study, and but um, and those can be effective. But I think when education is at its best, it is social, and yeah. um, and that can be facilitated online. Um, and again, to your sort of human element of this. Um, so if you can create a learning community as part of your course, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's a, a communication element that I think can, can really enhance. And maybe conversely, what we're not talking about is pro forma kind of minimum effort, you know, kind of thing, you know, the, the much lamented one post and two reply discussion board, right? Like, oh, that's how we do it. Um, we can we can we can be a little bit more aspirational than that. We can <laughs> raise our yeah. gaze to the horizon, do better. But you know, I mean, to your point, the even in the early days, the social constructivism literature offered a whole lot to the foundation of online learning that sometimes we need to recenter on today. It's not just mindlessly saying, "Oh yeah, I got to do one post and two." No, no, no. We, what else can we do? Right, right. Cool. Um, all right. So, you want to take the next one? Sure. Google Bard says, D is for design. Online courses should be well-designed and user-friendly. And uh, we've already used the phrase that our, our colleague Shannon Riggs champions in her book, Thrive Online. And that phrase is, quote, when designed well, unquote. She uses that phrase again and again and again. Uh, as in, when designed well, all manner of positive benefits accrue to online experiences, online courses. High engagement, stimulation, more learning, higher satisfaction, so forth. Yeah, I think I've already even used that term in, in this conversation. Yep. Intentionally designed, you know, well yep. designed. Right. Um, you know, when, when when Google Bard says, what is it, user-friendly, yeah. um, you know, that's probably student-centered, um, yeah. you know, making sure that it's, you know, we could touch back onto A is for accessibility. I think that's a that's piece right. of it, too, although I think mm -hmm. this design is broader than just kind of accessibility compliance. It has to do with the pedagogy and the effectiveness of the, of the course. Um, but, you know, a, a good course is a well-designed, well-structured course. I think that's right, although, although, I've been thinking about this recently, and see if you agree with this. As with so much of our work, I've been thinking, ultimately, maybe design is more about outputs than it is inputs. Um, and what I mean by that is, if what we design doesn't result in a better student experience, more effective learning, uh, ultimately, maybe even student success and retention, like if you're not looking at that and seeing, then all the other boxes that are checked by your design rubric kind of don't matter, right? Uh, now, I think if generally our experience has been, if you do pursue those inputs, you get those outputs. But I think we always have to be looking at the outputs. I totally agree. I'm a 
very results oriented person. And, you know, we all have limited resources. So if we're going to spend them in some place, we don't want to be spending them where they're not making a difference or having impact to, to kind of help students. So, yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that. And you're right. The only way to know that is to kind of evaluate and, you know, assess that um, continuously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You cool. want to take us on to the next one? Sure. All right. So, um, Google Bard, what is our, our, our final uh, ABC for this episode? Oh, thanks. Uh, e is for engagement. <laughs> e is for engagement. Online courses should be engaging and keep learners motivated. Mm -hmm. I think this is a corollary from D is for design. Because and if it's well designed, it's related it to uh, the C is for communication too. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So Google Bard is kind of weaving them all together in this beautiful tapestry of good, high quality online learning. So yeah, yeah, I, I think of this a lot as um, either at the course level or the activity, you know, learning activity level. I think um, courses in which the instructor injects something of themselves, their own personality, their unique perspective, whether in the content readings or in the interactions, that often pulls students in. I think about our uh, UCF colleague, Dr. Alicia Janowski, uh, and I think Alicia wouldn't mind this uh, shout out. Um, kind of, She's turned it into something of her personal brand to see how deeply integrated she can weave cat memes throughout her online courses. Yeah. No, it's true. She wouldn't mind because uh, she presented at our, our inaugural Digital Learning Day uh, the other day, and um, she talked openly and publicly about that, and she showed a bunch of examples. She's got some dog memes, too. Oh, well, isn't that nice? She's branching out. That's She's great. branching out, but yeah, I think cat memes are her particular favorite. And it's funny, she does that for a couple of reasons. One is um, uh, they are a way of sort of drawing students in and kind of getting them against. They're funny, but they're also relevant, and it's a way to kind of get into the material. But she also wants to be kind of authentic and, mm -hmm. and kind of share a bit of her personality, but without, like, showing pictures of her family, of her kids, right? So she wants to be able to kind of be that kind of open, but also have a little bit of distance personally. Like ordinarily, she she would just share pictures of her, her family and show things, but it's a little too much in that kind of a context. But this is a nice way to kind of thread that needle. And um, and I think it's very engaging. I think I, what she showed them during the session, I was sitting and I was engaged just watching them. I think they were funny. So courses that an instructor puts something of themselves into. I think activities that require students to contribute yeah. something of themselves can also be really powerful and engaging. And I think especially if the instructor has modeled, you know, through uh, that inclusion in their course design, it helps a lot. It gets back to that, uh, you know, that communication piece and the human element piece. And I think we should, uh, you use the word aspirational, I think we should aspire for course engagement to be as active as possible. Mm -hmm. yep. Sometimes people use the word engagement as something of a, a proxy for media. Like, yeah, you know, we have a right. lot of multimedia in there. And so, right, right, yeah, right. maybe that's good. But I think watching YouTube videos or even highly produced videos mm -hmm. is essentially a passive experience. Yep, that's right. Um, Maybe having a variety of media can be good, but I personally would rather see like some of the the game style 
instruction that we have built into some of our courses. We have a product that our team has built called Materia that allows faculty to put kind of app style games, crossword puzzles, hangman, choose your own adventure. We, mm-hmm. There's probably two dozen different like widgets that you can put in your course. And, and I think that's a, a good example of engagement because would you rather take a multiple choice test or would you rather do a crossword puzzle? They both assess the same kinds of things, um, right. but and it, 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 I think that students would probably rather choose a game or even gamified strategies with leaderboards and other kinds of things. Uh, all of those are you know, problem-based learning. There's all kinds of different strategies you can use that aren't even media-related um, to to get at at engagement. And maybe some of those in a less you know produced kind of a way, but still involving some design and intentionality um, could be found in the Teaching Online Pedagogical Repository, or Topper. There's a whole section on teaching practices related to, quote, interaction, which I would say probably combines communication and engagement. That's what really is meant by interaction, but uh, we'll put a link to Topper in the show notes as well. Free, open, public, go go do it. Google Bard gave us ABCDE and then concluded with, these are just a few of the many factors that contribute to effective online education. By following these principles, instructors can create courses that will help their students succeed. Thanks, Google Bard. Thanks, Google Bard. Yeah, so I don't know, I don't disagree. It's a bit of a platitude, and but that's okay. Mom and apple pie, so. Cool. Um, you want to land the plane, or should I? I'll um, I'll land the plane, and and you take taxi us off the runway. How about that? <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> so maybe we'll say in summation, dear listener, don't forget your digital learning ABCs. The foundational elements that make for a successful online learning experience are worth remembering, sharing, and building upon in our work every day. But as we've said a couple times in this episode, we should continue to innovate as well as disseminate. How's that? Sounds good, innovate and disseminate. I like a good kind of rhyme slash alliteration. So thanks Kelvin for all the great prep and thank you Google Bard for being our kind of digital collaborator uh, for this episode. All right, until next time for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya.